I want you to go with me this morning back to the book of Exodus chapter 25. We started a series last week um, entitled A Heart for the House. And part of it is really vision. And part of it, I believe, is what God is speaking for us anyway uh, to this house. And I believe to many houses, to many churches, uh, that I believe it's God is speaking to the body of Christ one other thing before it slips me, there's going to be a night of worship December 16th, Saturday for all the pillars. That's everybody 60 and over. You can see Miss Vicky back there. And uh, that's going to be on a Saturday night at five o'clock, December 16th. Um, so, but I, I, I believe with all my heart, God is, is doing some amazing things. Uh, last week before, uh, last week we, we set something in motion that I want to present to you again, uh, that I believe the Lord is, I, I, has initiated our hearts, and I believe it's our heart as well, is that we've done a whole lot. This church has been a real, uh, real giving church over the years. We do far more uh, than what you hear about. We support uh, many ministries and we've supported uh, pastors and churches. We've, we've helped them. We've gone into them. We give them resource. We give them supply. Uh, not counting all the things through community that we've helped with, with food and clothing and things over the years that we've done. So many things it would take too much time for me to uh, go through again and rehearse to everybody. But one thing that we are asking you to do and pray about as we move into this year, we're going to keep doing those things. I want you to know that we are not going to stop. Matter of fact, we hope to increase it is my heart and my plan. But one thing we're going to do this year, part of our vision is we need to invest in our own house. And I believe there, first of all, there are some maintenance things that have got to be done. You know, it's like any other thing. If you don't take care of it or it just gets used, it's not not taking care of it. But if it gets used, things are going to happen and needs to be taken care of. And as the place gets older, it needs to be, uh, you know, to be updated and such as that. And, and so I'm asking you to pray about a very special offering over and above your normal giving. Uh, we're going to call it a heart for the house. And I'm asking you to pray. I don't want you to just pull out an offering and give. I want you to pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to give. Uh, because I know what we'll do if we don't ask the Lord. We'll, okay, here it is. That's not going to meet the need. And we're not, we're not beggars. We're not going to sit out in front of Walmart and sell cupcakes. It isn't going to happen. And we're not going to beg people to give, but we're going to believe God because I believe the resource is among his people. And so I'm asking you to pray about what the Lord would have you to give. And if you want, we're going to start bringing that offering next Sunday. And what I want you to do is if you, when you bring it, don't put it in with all your other giving, put it in another envelope and mark heart for the house. That way we can keep it separated and know where it's going to go. Uh, but we really want to update our house from the parking lot all the way through to make it more, well, just to bring it up and to make it fresh. Cause I believe, I believe the opinion I shared this with you last week. Uh, I believe the appearance of things will uh, either attract or it will retract. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when we travel, we have to stop once in a while. You do too. And sometimes where we stop at, whether it be for food or whether it just be the restroom or even getting fuel, a lot of times that's based on appearance. It's based on how it looks. There's been times we've pulled up, walked in, turned around and walked back out. We'll go to the next place down the road because everything about it wasn't appealing. And I believe it's the same way with the world. Now, it may be good for you, but it may not be for the world. I remember years ago when Fred Price was building the Faith Dome out in California, he said something like this. This is many years ago. It was one of the first major auditoriums. He said, I didn't build for just anybody. He said, I built for the rich man. Because he said, I learned a principle. A poor man will go anywhere, but a rich man won't. That's kind of true. Matter of fact, it isn't kind of. It is true. Uh, Look at the places where you eat and and things like that. Who's entering those places? And I believe our house ought to be the same way. Not only that, but I believe it ought to be in a place that you're saying, man, I'm proud of our house. And and so I want you to pray about that, what the Lord would have you to give. And we're going to do this ongoing. So if you can't do it next week, you got plenty of time. You may want to keep sowing something every week. And when you do, be sure if you're making out that check, make it to the church but mark it, uh, heart for the house. And I'll give you an update right now. I want to tell you how to spell million. Say it with me. M-I-L-L-I-O-N, right? You know, I've learned a great principle. If I don't target you somewhere, you won't go there. And so that's why when you see people, even preachers on TV throw, well, I believe this because it's proven fact. If you don't give people targets and give them something to go for, they most of the time won't go there. So we're asking you to help us. We're asking you to partner with us as we do something great. I believe our greatest days aren't behind us. I believe our greatest days are right now and ahead of us. And I want you to know something. God God is in this place right now. He's not going to come. I believe he's here right now. Brother Scott, I was thinking about this song a while ago. I don't always feel him working, and I don't always see him working. How many would agree with that song? You know why that is? And I really believe this. It just hit me while because he doesn't do it the way I thought he ought to do it. Or either that, I'm so captivated by everything around me, I can't see him working. But he's here. And I believe there's salvation here. And I believe there's deliverance here. And I believe there's healing here. As long as you and I keep believing it somewhere else, we'll not see it to the magnitude of what God wants to do here. If it's always in somebody else, it will not be in this place. But I believe he's here because he's appointed us and assigned to us. Let's get into the word real quick because I want to land this jet and I want to pray for you. In Exodus chapter 25, this was the passage that we started with as a, as a text earlier. Verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, uh, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly With his heart, you shall take of my offering. I'm not going to go through everything that he said to bring, but then I want to go down to verse 8 because this is the reason why he said bring it. 
and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all, according to all that I show you. That is, listen to what he says. That is the pattern, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furnishings. Just so shall you make it. Father, give us wisdom and understanding. Open our eyes right now in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to make it clear for a moment that me using this passage of Scripture isn't me going backwards to build something of an Old Testament day or of another time. But actually, God is showing us a pattern. He is showing us something for our day. And everything back there was pointing to this day, was pointing to our future and a relationship with Christ. But there's some great principle to gain by. Oh, let me back up just a moment. Go back into part of our giving. I think this is important. One of the things about our giving and updating everything is because we become a world now that we have a number of people, and every church does it, has a number of people that are watching us online every week. No matter how much I think they ought to be here, our day of that is people are going to watch us. Matter of fact, we've got a family here today all the way from Louisiana that appear on the front row, some of Miss Marilyn's family, that watch us from down there every Sunday morning. I think we ought to give them a hand. So we want everything that we do from our backdrops, how we look, how we sound, everything that we do is vitally important in this day, whether you understand it or I understand it or not. But that's why we give. And God said, listen, whether we understand everything or not, there's a purpose for everything that God intended to do with his people. Matter of fact, when you look at this picture, it really is a picture of a relationship that is to come with Jesus and his church. It's a relationship that God wants to have with his people. Notice what he said. Build me a sanctuary that I can come and I can dwell among my people. God wants to be with us more than we want to be with him. I really believe that some of the reasons that maybe, possibly, that we're always crying out for revival and never seeing what we want to get is, it may not be that, you know, well, it's just not time. Maybe it's just we're not in order of what God intended for us to be and do in order to see him manifest his glory in our midst. Because I do believe there's a pattern that never changes. He said, first of all, build me a sanctuary. I ran, I'll run through this real quick with you again. You'll find it several different times that you'll see the word sanctuary. You'll see the word tabernacle. He used those both in the text that I just read you. But as we move a little bit forward in the day of David, David built him a temple. And then when you move on into the New Testament, we see Jesus going to the synagogue. All four of them are very significant. All four of them can be one and the same and yet very different. But you need to understand what they are. When God said, build me a sanctuary, he said, build me a sacred place. That word sacred simply means, I, I believe, otherness. It would mean the holiness of God. Build me a place that's not for anything else but for me. 
I believe we're in the hour where God is asking for his house back. I really believe that. I believe he's asking for his people back. His church back. I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. Build that sacred place for me. We'll say, Pastor, I know that. I believe that because the church, there's a lot of sinners that come to the church and there's a lot of this. And how many's heard the promise? I've heard it numbers of times by different prodigals that this is the hour that the prodigals are going to come back home. And most of us think about a prodigal as somebody that's left the church and gone crazy and went to the world. But when you really look up the definition of what a prodigal is, one of the definitions is when he takes what has been given to him and he lives it out his own way until he wastes it. And I believe even much of the church, please hear me, don't be offended. I believe there's a lot of prodigals in the church. And when I say this, this is how we've done church. I'm living church out the way I think and how I believe it ought to be instead of how God wants it. That's why worship can be difficult. Uh, that's why doing some of the things that we do can be difficult. But when he says it's a sacred place, remember, it's all about him as we just sang the song. He said, build me a sanctuary. He said, also make me a tabernacle. That is a place that he can manifest his presence. Build me a place that I can manifest. I want to. God desires to manifest himself greater to us than we could ever imagine. He said, build me a temple. Or he didn't say it. Matter of fact, you have to understand this. It was God, David, that had it in his heart to build this place for God. Because God was dwelling in the tent. And David said, I'm sitting here in this lavish palace. And my God is in a tent. And he said, I want to build a house for God. So what did God speak to him? He said, all right, I know you're going to build it, but I didn't ask you to do it, but you're going to build it. So he gave him a pattern of how to build the tabernacle because he said, wait a minute, it's not about you, it's about me. And this is what I want it to be. I, I, I want it to be a place of worship. That's, that's what the word temple means. It means to be a place that we come and, and worship God. Then here's the synagogue. The synagogue is a place of prayer. It was a place of instruction. It's a place of community where community needs were met through the people of God. Jesus went in all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogue and, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Did you ever think about this? Out of all four, there was only one of them that was destroyed, and that was the temple. And I really believe the reason it was, it wasn't because Jesus didn't want to worship. I believe he was getting rid of a system that men have built instead of the system of heaven and the way that heaven wants it because men would have still been back there offering bulls and goats and Jesus was coming to be a high priest that would offer his blood once and for all and that through faith, when we believe in him, we would have eternal life and have everything that God intends for us to walk in. She said, I'm going to tear that down. Yet they kept worshiping in it when he said it's something different. And I do believe that God is saying, I want you to give me my house back. Not only do I want you to give me my house back, I want you to give me my people back. I want my people back. I want my family back. 
The word, part of the word tabernacle, let me get back to that means. It means a place to, uh, to manifest his presence. But he said, I want to dwell there. As though I'm in a family and I want to come to your house. I want to sleep in your bedroom. I want to come in and eat at your table. I want to have fellowship and relationship with you. Not only does it mean that, but listen, it means a place of intended rest. A place where we're resting in the Lord. That we know everything is going to be taken care of. Instead of us going crazy and mad with the rest of the world, no matter what we see, we know that God has everything in hand. It's a place of rest. But not only is it a place of rest, but it is a place of intimacy. God said a place that I can come and we can really open our hearts up to one another. Oh, by the way, I, I overlooked this and I didn't mean to. I meant to bring it forth a while ago. I, I'm so glad because we've been a we've been a church that have not only uh, given to number of things we've supported missions all over the world and we've got one of those missions I, I guess we could call him a missionary he's a friend of mine him and his family we have Kamal and Chelsea uh, Madala am I saying it right always going to get it wrong Madala in the house they live in Kentucky but this is one this family is one of the greatest evangelists and missionaries. I know he's originally from India. He goes every year. He takes teams into India. He does. He oversees uh, pastors' conferences, does street ministry. But not only that, even in our region, he goes into church. He's got into churches that nobody else could get in and preaches the gospel to them. And I'm so glad they're with, with us here. Would you give them a hand this morning here on the front seat? Bless you guys. Now, where was I? God wants his family. Go back with me to the book of Exodus chapter 19. Oh, no, before you go there, let's just stay at 25. Because notice something God said. Let them build according to the pattern that I show you. What is a pattern? What, what is a pattern? If Some of you ladies, I know, it, I don't think it happens this way much anymore, but I, I remember years ago when me and Diane were just young kids, she was a teenager, and we were boyfriend and girlfriend. Her mom would make dresses for them. Some of you ladies may have made dresses for your children and you could used to go to, I used to work in a fabric shop when I was 14 years old, sweeping the floor. And they had, they had, uh, what, what, what do we call file cabinets full of patterns that you go find this dress or find this jacket or find this shirt. And you take it home and you lay it out over your, over your piece of fabric and you cut it out and then you sew it together. And if you've done it right, it's supposed to look like the picture. If you done it right. But see, we got smarter than the pattern. And we get instructions with everything we buy, and then we wonder sometimes why they don't work. Or it doesn't fit. Or it doesn't look like what I started. Sometimes it's because I don't follow the pattern of which God said. Matter of fact, in chapter 25, at the end of it, he said, And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you in the mountain. Wait a minute. God kept emphasizing, you don't make it any way you want. 
You make this according to my pattern. What I have fashioned. And if you'll do that, you're going to get the intended result. What is the intended result? That God would come down and dwell among us. In that holy of holies would be what we would call, that's where God would dwell above the mercy seat. But it would be also the Ark of the Covenant, which would represent God's presence, God's power, and God's provision. So God said, if you want my presence, you want my power, and you want my provision, then you establish yourself the way that I have set it up for you. Now, let's look at the end of the book of Exodus, I believe it is. I think i got to turn there real quick. And he says something like this. It's chapter 40, verse 33. The very last sentence of it says, so Moses finished the work. And he done everything according to the pattern that God gave him. Then look what happened. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, God's presence, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Wait a minute. God was wanting to manifest his glory. And that's the very thing that you and I are constantly crying. We need to see the glory. I want to see the glory. God, show us your glory. And God's desire is for us not just to see it, but for us to dwell in it. And part of that is it's because we don't understand even the glory. There was two depths of it in this passage of Scripture. Let me show them. In the book of Exodus chapter 19, the first thing that happens when Moses gets to Sinai, he calls Moses up to the top of the mountain. And in the top of the mountain was like it was on fire. It was cloudy. It was thundering and lightnings and things were going on. And Moses crawls up into the glory of God. There, we might call it like this, the Shekinah glory, the tangible glory that you can see with your eyes, the tangible glory that can be experienced. And that's where most of us want to dwell. Show me your glory. Show me the Shekinah. But the reality is, God just doesn't want you to see it. He wants you to dwell in it. How do you know that? Because Moses stayed on the mountain for 40 days. And when Moses come off of the mountain, oh, I thought this was interesting. Let me back up. Are you all okay? I hope this is making sense to you. I hope it, it will when we pull it all together here. So Moses is up there. He said, I mean, what else could Moses want to see? I mean, he's standing there in the presence of God. I mean, overtaken and everybody else is trembling down below because of hearing the thundering and the lightning. And he said, Lord, show me your glory. I'm thinking, what a crazy question to ask God. You can't, who could, I mean, you're hearing him audible. And you're wanting to see his glory. So God takes him, hides him in the cleft of the rock. That rock is Jesus. And God said, all right, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to let my glory pass by you, and I'm going to let you see. And the only part he got to see was his backside. Because I believe this is what God was saying. I'm going to reveal my glory among my body, so that when my body really comes together, my glory is there with them. So when Moses comes off, y'all looking at me really strange. Because see, we're still hung up in experience instead of living a life. This is kingdom. So when he comes off the mountain, this is what the Bible said. Moses didn't know that his face shone. What's his face showing? 
the glory. He didn't know his face glowed. It wasn't a feeling. It wasn't anything. But everybody down below saw Moses' faith glowing. And when they saw Moses come down and his face was like a light, which was upon Adam in the very beginning. That's why the Bible said they were naked and not ashamed. What were they clothed in? The glory. It was where we were supposed to be dwelling in the glory of God. All of his goodness manifested in our lives. So they come down and they were afraid and Moses had to cover it up. And when Moses would speak to the people, he would lift it, but then he would have to cover it. But it was resting upon Moses. So when the glory came after the tabernacle was filled, what happened? The Bible just said it. The glory filled it. The glory filled the tabernacle, the holy place. But then not only did it fill the holy place, the glory was resting on it because he said there was a cloud by day and a fire by night and it never left them. And it would remain there. And God said, as long as you see this, you stay with me. And when I lift it, you begin to pack up because I'm moving differently. Might be a good thing. If God's not doing what we think he ought to do, maybe he's telling us to do something different. But we're sure caught in something different because we don't like changes. And I'm just like everybody else. It really challenges my heart. But that glory, as far as we know, never lifted from Israel even after they refused to go into the promised land. And for 40 years, they wondered. Blow your mind with something. They're still in the glory. How do you know that? Because their clothes never wore out. Neither did their feet swell and they couldn't figure it out and God fed them and God gave them meat, his power, his presence. He always protected them. He was still God. Even though they weren't even, they weren't in the promised land yet, they were walking around in the glory of God. Sometimes you and I are hung up trying to see glory instead of getting into the promised land into the life we live so that we can reveal that glory to others. So his glory's there. That's why he said build it according to the pattern because you and I really don't get to pick and choose. And again, when you look at the tabernacle, it was a picture of redemption. It's a picture of salvation, that there's only one way into the Holy of Holies. You had to enter in, in a sense, through the outer court, which you would come in, where the blood sacrifice would be made. I'm here to let you know, church, there's only one way of salvation, and that's through the blood of the Lamb. No other way, not by your good works, not by your good activity. I'm so glad that Jesus became once and for all my faithful high priest and he offered once and for all the lamb, the blood was shed. I don't have to deal with all that stuff no more. All I have to do is have faith and believe. 
But then he shows us how to live this life out because we move from there. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I'm cleansed at the brazen labor. Then I enter the inner court where, where the table of showbread is, where the golden lampstand and where the uh, table of incense is. I can go in. I believe he's showing us something. You get in my word. You get filled with my spirit. You lift up your voice to me. I'll answer. I'll open up the door for you every time if you'll trust me. And then he said, I'll make a way for you to go in. And Jesus made a way according to the book of Hebrews that we could go into the very holy. Man, you got to think about in that day at the tabernacle, only once a year, the high priest would go in and offer blood upon the, upon the mercy seat. And it was such a frightful thing that they would tie a rope on him just in case. I'm glad nobody has to tie a rope on us. I'm glad that I don't have to wait once a year. But my Bible says I can come boldly to the throne of grace. I can go there today. I don't have to be in this building. I can be in my home. I can be on my job, in my car, everywhere I'm at. Because the reality of this, that picture of that tabernacle is really a man. Body, soul, and spirit that God would pour himself into. We now, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, he said, don't you know that your body is the temple? That's why he wasn't going to leave it with bricks and mortar because the reality God never intended for it to be in a building. He intended for it to be in a body. He intended it for it to be in man. That's you and I. Wow. Man, you ought to be running the aisles to think that God dwells in me. So in Exodus 19, I want to give you three things. I'm going to land this jet real quick. Exodus 19, when they came out, because I believe it's important that you and I see this, that God said, I, I want my church back. I want my body back. I want it back. I believe we've all gotten so scattered through the, through the times, especially over the last couple of years through COVID. And it's not just something, it's been going on for years. But we've got so caught up in everything under the sun but Jesus. Caught up in the political system, caught up with COVID, caught up in fear, caught up in everything. I don't like this. We don't like that. And, and, and we've taken the church and we've almost given it totally away. But he said, I want it back. So when he come up, when he brought him in, the first thing he says, look with me, Exodus 19, verse 4, he brings them to Sinai. Now, Sinai would represent in our day, would actually, or even uh, in their day, New Testament, maybe I hope I can say this right, Sinai would have been really Pentecost because he's already taken care of them at Passover. But they're coming to a new place that his spirit, that his life is going to fill them. So this is a place really of the spirit. So he comes, brings them to Sinai. And this is what he says. You have seen what I did to you, to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, 
keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people of the earth. You'll be a special treasure, a special people to me. This is what he's really saying. He said, first of all, he's given us a picture. Now, that's strange. I don't think I would talk to you. I delivered you like an eagle on eagle's wings. You and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even understand that. But this is what he's saying. As a mother eagle takes her children, they were hers to begin with, and she's moving them forward, and she thrusts them out of the nest if one of them falls to the ground and doesn't have the strength, doesn't have the ability to be able to soar, what does she do? She has the strength. So she swoops down under them and she lifts them with her ability and she lifts them with her power. That's what God was saying to Israel. You were in a place, even though you were called by my name, you were mine before you ever went into bondage. I want to say to every person in this room, I I don't care how messed up your world has got, how messed up your life is. I don't care how addicted, how strung out. I don't care how broke, how whatever. You were God's before any bad thing ever happened. When you were born, you were God's child, and he still sees you that way. He doesn't see you the way you think he sees you. You are his child, and he come to deliver you and bring you up. And when you don't have the power to come up, God said, I have swooped down. I come from the heavens down to where you are to lift you up and bring you where you can soar in the heavens. He said, I brought you to myself. This isn't about your feeling. This is God redeeming you. This is God restoring us. This is God bringing us to the reality of who we really are. He said, I brought you to myself because you are mine. And let us note something else he said in here. All the earth is mine. So if it belongs to him, he knows everything going on about it. He's not concerned about the White House as much as you and I are. He's not concerned about Hamas and, and all that, even though that's important stuff, all of it. He's not near concerned about it as you and I are. Why? It belongs to him. We're just not convinced of that. If we don't do something, America's going to go to hell and ham. No, it's not. No, it's not. God's still on the throne. Now, we may have to be obedient. Yes, there's some things we need to do. But I'm telling you, God is still in control. Oh, y'all got quiet on that for whatever reason. But he said, child, you are mine. He said, you are a special people to me. Listen to how he says it. Above all, the people of the earth. You know, we ought to expect to live better, higher, stronger, greater, more blessed than anybody else as God's people. We ought to expect that, live that way. It ought to reflect that way in our life. What was he saying? I will be the one to watch over you, to guard you, to protect you, and take care of you. 
That's what he's saying when you're a special treasure. You got a wedding ring on? Can I have it? I, I want hers, not yours. I want, I want, that, I want that like 10 carat diamond. That real pretty one. Okay, thank you, Miss Sherry. Thank you, Pastor. I got part of the offering right here. Now, I guarantee you something. That was given to her, what? How many years ago? That one, about 20. But you've been married how long? 51? 53 years. Wow. But I guarantee you one thing. She cherishes this. It's special to her. She just told me how many years she's had this one. Which means, are you going to give it up today? Not at all. Why? She's watching over it. And when she takes it off, she doesn't, she doesn't just throw it around. What is she doing? She's protecting it. She's caring for it. She keeps it shining. She keeps it valuable. And that's what God is saying to us. If you, you and I are evil, know how to do these things, how much more valuable are you and I to God? Charlie, will you come and take this back to them for me? Thank you. I, I don't want to walk away with it. <coughs> Maybe I will. Maybe Charlie will. Charlie's got it now. But he said, you are special to the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, you're special. You're special to God. Then, then notice something else he said here. Then he said, the second thing, and worship team, make your way back, get ready. He said, then, he said, then, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He said, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. Now, wait a minute. I don't think we've had a priesthood except Melchizedek even mentioned up to this point. And now he's getting ready to, to announce a priesthood. And he's going to talk about their garments. He's going to talk about how anointed what was their responsibility to steward the tabernacle? It was to steward every bit of the activity that would go in that tabernacle was their responsibility. I, I believe, church, the reason you and I are asking God for something that God said, I have put in your hands, steward this. Which means you're a caretaker. You have to understand, there was, a, there was a lot of activity that went on, especially in that outer court. Because they are offering these animals as sacrifice. It was bloody. It was smelly. Can you imagine this? They literally would have to clean up. They would have to wipe up things. They would have to make sure that everything was in a sense, I'm going to say it like this, spotless. They would even have to take the ashes out of the tabernacle to the dump to the area and they would have to come back in once they did that they would have to come in and clean themselves because they couldn't just okay i'm going to wear this old stuff back in there again they stewarded this thing they had to make sure that that lamp in the inner court never went out that there was always fresh oil in that place it was their responsibility. 
It was their responsibility when God was moving, no matter what, we got to tear this place down. We, we've got to get everything prepared. Each one of them had a place of service that they would do in the tabernacle, in the presence of God. He said, wait a minute. It's not just resting upon a few of us. He said, I'm making you a kingdom of it so that everywhere you are, everywhere you go, wherever you live, you're stewarding in your homes. Some of us reason our homes is such a mess because we ain't cleaned stuff out. I'm not talking about physical. And that probably wouldn't hurt either. But we don't know how to steward the things of God. I've had a word spoke over us several times that we're going to steward a move of God through this region. I I keep asking myself, Lord, what does that look like? What is, is that supposed to be? Part of it is like a friend of mine, the church in Paducah just lost one of their key leaders this past week to a massive heart attack. It's one of the pastor's best friends. They were broken, totally unexpected. Guy was very active in the church. I got word because it's connected as friends with our family. I got word I've been on the phone with pastor because I know he's broken. I know he's hurting. I feel this is my part of my response. Pastor, we got you. We're holding up your hands. Pastor, we're praying for you. Pastor, we want you to know it's okay for you to grieve. Matter of fact, I asked him, I said, what service going to look like for you today? I said, Pastor, I know the whole body is hurting. I said, I don't know about you. I said, I would offer this guidance to you. I wouldn't go in and try to have a massive worship service, have this great move of God. Let the people grieve. Come in. I don't care if it's 30 minutes, 20 minutes. I don't care if it's an hour. Come in and just let the people. It's okay. What am I doing? I'm stewarding. I'm helping steward what God is doing, the assignment that he's given me through the region. I've already made contact with them this morning again. As we reach out because we've got a responsibility to steward the move of God. You are a kingdom of priests. Guys, if the glory gets messed up, maybe we're not doing our job well. Here's the last thing. He said, I'll make you a holy nation unto me. Holy nation. He said, I'll set you up above. In another place, he said, I'll set you above all the people. He said right there, above all the people of the earth. But you will be a holy nation. And I believe it's what he's saying there. He said, you're not the largest group. But he said, you will be a force that can drive out the evilness. You can drive out the nations that are overtaking. You have the authority. I'm making you. I'm giving you authority that you can push out the darkness. It's in our hands. It's in our hands. We've got to get a heart back for God's house. I love Israel in this one place. They understood it. But yet didn't recognize that the glory had lifted. Israel had sinned against God. They chose a king by the name of Saul because there was wickedness in the house and was refused to be dealt with. And so the Philistines set a big attack against Israel, the church, the people of the day. 
And man, they were pressing hard. And this is what they said. Israel, let us bring up the Ark of the Covenant. Because they understood that it represented the presence, the power, and the provision of the Lord. And matter of fact, they lifted it up with a shout. It was loud. Loud enough that it thundered over the land that the Philistines heard it. And they said, what is that noise? What is that shout we hear? One of the leaders of the Philistines said this, they have brought up their God. They've brought up the Ark of the Covenant. And that head leader of the Philistines said something like this, because they're no doubt fearful of what they just heard. He said, straighten up soldier, putting it in my words. We're going to, to go out against it. But here was the problem. Israel knew it. They offered it up, but didn't recognize that the glory of the Lord had lifted off of them because of their sin. And you know, sometimes church, we go through the motions so much that we think because we're just doing this and we're doing that and all this seems right and good. And we wonder, God, why is it not your presence with me? God, where did you go? Why are you not fighting for me? Why are you not, why don't I feel you? Maybe, just maybe, we need to get back to pattern. Maybe we need to come back and say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. My house is your home. My house is your dwelling, God. And everywhere he is, I've heard so many people preaching and teaching about God this time of, of year or, or, or this season we're entering into a new year of God's divine provision being turned the wealth of the wicked to the is going to be given to the just. And I do believe that. I do believe that. But God's always wanted to be provider. He wants to see that everything that we do is taken care of. God wants to be the one to take care of you. And I want to remind you of who you are today, that you're a child of God. You know, we sing a song that says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I used to have a lady in a nursing home. Every time I would sing, it would do this whole time I was singing the song I finally said why do you do that she said because I'm not a wretch I'm not a wretch you know what I'm not a failure I'm not an addict anymore I'm not defeated I'm not a sinner anymore I, I'm not I'm a child of the most high God now, I may have been this back there, but when I came to Jesus, my identity is going back to who my family, who my father said I was, that I'm his and he's mine. He wants to move in and dwell with you and show you his power and glory. There's deliverance in this place for you. You may be struggling with something that you can't get free of. I'm telling you, the power of God is here right now to set you free. 
I believe there's salvation in this house. All you have to do is believe and receive. I believe there's healing in this house. I, I believe that with all of my heart. I, I believe it's here. I believe there's an answer for you in this place that God has if you let Him and be willing to say, Lord, I open up my life, I open up my heart to let you be the Lord of my life.